All right, welcome to our eighth episode of Diet Debates. I'm one half of your host, Nathan. And I'm your other half, Stephen. So it's been roughly about a month since our last episode where we talked about our NBA finals predictions and what we thought and who we thought we were gonna win. And obviously Steven got his predictions right, where he said Bucks and Six. And I was I was a dumbass since I said Suns and Five. And uh, first of all, uh, Stephen, what do you think happened that led to the Bucks winning four straight games to close out the series after being dominated in the first two games by the Suns? Uh, obviously, Giannis has the most to do with this. You know, he averaged almost 30 on great efficiency. I think he was like the first player since Shaq to have like back-to-back 40-point games in the finals. No, but actually, I it was think... LeBron. <clears throat> just, oh, it was? Just said fine. He had, he had 41 41 in 2016, but continue. Uh, anyways, um, but also I think a lot of the uh, credit has to go to uh, what was it, coach Mike Budenholzer, who actually made adjustments this time in the playoffs. Uh, you know, someone like uh, Brooke Lopez, who you know he utilized very often in the playoffs in the previous two years. Uh, you know, the Bucks have this defensive strategy where they're perfectly okay with giving up long twos in the pick and roll. But, you know, Chris Paul and Devin Booker just ate that up in the first two games. So he began playing uh, Brooke Lopez a lot less in favor of Bobby Portis, which I think was a huge factor in the series. And also, uh, you know, Giannis' supporting cast in uh, Drew Holiday, you know, Chris Middleton, and especially Portis in the last few games, they stepped up a lot, including uh, Drew Holiday. You know, he didn't shoot, shoot well in the games, but, like, he had some huge defensive moments, so... I feel like just everything came together at the right time for the Bucks to win the championship. Definitely. And I also think that on the Suns aspect, I feel like they kind of switched from games uh, one to two and all the way to three to six, where I think games one to two, Chris Paul was more of the leading guy. But uh, as they went on further in the series, Chris Paul showed that, you know, he couldn't really make plays. He was turning over the ball a lot. Drew Holiday did a great job on defense and, also, I feel like guys that stepped up big, uh, guys that are more of role players, so guys like Jay Crowder or was it McCall Bridges. So I feel like those guys, compared to what they did in previous series, like in the Lakers series where Jay Crowder was knocking down like five threes each, each game. You know, I, I think in like at one point at game three or four, Jay Crowder went like 0 for 9 from three-pointers. So I also think that... Uh, the combination of the Bucks making great adjustments and Giannis stepping up mixed with Chris Paul, you know, not really playing his best and some of the role players that stepped up big so far kind of declining led to the Bucks winning the NBA Finals in Game 6. And also right now Giannis is only 26 years old and it's obviously been a, a very good start to his career. Uh, how do you think his career as of right now at 26-year-olds, at 26-year-old, uh, compares to how MJ or LeBron was, you know, one of the NBA greats when they were at the, at this point in time. Um, obviously, Giannis has a long way to go, but uh, uh, I think you know, with the right staff, and of course, like a team like the Nets are still going to be there to try and stop him from winning a title. But you know, uh, LeBron won his first ring at age twenty seven, and uh, I believe Jordan won his like. Also during a similar time, yeah, he uh, won his first of the three-peat at age 27 as well. So Giannis is at a similar age. He's won his first ring. He has two MVPs. He has a defensive player of the year. And so I feel like 
Giannis has a very good chance to be at the very least a top 20 player like his resume if he keeps this up is probably going to be better than someone like uh Kevin Garnett or Dirk who you know they what like Dirk's championship run is slightly better than Giannis's but I think he compares very favorably to KG and that they both have a defensive player of the year regular season MVP but of course Giannis led his team to the title as a number one option whereas Garnett did on a big three so I think Giannis uh, I don't think he'll, you know, pass someone like Hakeem or, like, get into the top 10, but I think he'll definitely be, like, probably top 20 when, when he retires. Mm-hmm. And with the NBA Finals wrapping up the 2021 season, there were also very, uh, very interesting moves made by several teams in the free agency so far. And we'll start off with the LA Lakers, who one of the biggest moves or – Obviously, their biggest move so far in the offseason was signing Russell Westbrook. Uh, Steven, what were your initial reactions to this? And how do you think this team will plan out with the addition of Russell Westbrook? Uh, Originally, I thought this was a pretty terrible deal because, you know, uh, the championship formula as the Lakers showed in 2020 was surrounding, uh, you know, AD and LeBron with shooters. But, uh, you know, uh, Russ basically cannot shoot, but, you know, one of the major weaknesses for the Lakers last season was, you know, playmaking when LeBron was off the court. So I feel like that addresses this in a very good way. But, of course, they're going to uh, need, like, you know, a lot more, you know, sh- catch-and-shoot improvement from guys like AD and Russ, and in particular some of the young guys that they signed, which uh, Nathan will get more into. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And I also think uh, watching the Lakers in the playoffs – in the 2021 season, I feel like a big problem was that when they did not have uh, Anthony Davis or LeBron, I feel like a big part was that they had trouble trying to score. And I feel like guys like, I feel like new guys that we signed, like Malik Monk and you know, Malik Monk, uh, Kendrick Nunn, I feel like those young guys to create their own shots are definitely going to help uh, when LeBron wants to play make and needs some more help. So I feel like uh, the guys that we signed, specifically like Wayne Ellington, as I said, Mag Monk, Kendrick Nunn, I feel like those guys will address the shooting problem. But I feel like uh, even with the addition and like re-signing of guys like Taylor Horton Tucker, Dwight Howard, I feel like everything will plan out just to how much Russ will fit his play style because I feel like the right move for him would be to take the back seat and be more of a third option to LeBron and AD because... Uh, I think that Russ with his very ball-dominant play style showed that he could never really find success if he kept up his play style. Shown in 2017-18 to 18 when he had Paul George and Carmelo. Showed in 19-20 to 20 when he had uh, James Harden with him. So I feel like unless Russ genuinely takes the backseat, uh, I'm not sure how far the Lakers will actually get in the playoffs. But we'll see in the NBA season if it does start. And with that, another team that was making big moves was the Chicago Bulls. And I think the two big signings so far was, or the two biggest signings so far is DeMar DeRozan and Lonzo Ball to help Zach Levine along with uh, Nikola Vucevic. Uh, Who do you think will be the biggest deciding factor of these two new additions for the Bulls? Uh, As much as I like DeRozan, I think it is Lonzo because, you know, uh, as of now, uh, Levine was the only playmaker on the team. And, like, 
the team that your team can only go so far when your playmaker is Zach Levine. And obviously, um, you know, Lonzo is a very good defensive player as well. So that's going to help a lot on like a team where Vucevic can't really defend. Levine is okay. And DeRozan is not really that good. So him and Patrick Williams are definitely going to be really useful on that Bulls team. And I also feel like uh, Lonzo's usefulness as a catch and shoot uh, shooter now that uh, his accuracy has improved a lot in the past few years, it's going to be extremely useful. So I think Lonzo is the much more important signing, even though DeRozan does bring a lot of, you know, shooting and playmaking abilities that uh, the Bulls also needed. Mm -hmm. And uh, a lot of NBA stock, uh, a lot of NBA superstars actually re-signed with the team. Uh, I think that includes Kawhi Leonard, who reportedly agreed to a deal. There was also Chris Paul, who decided to sign a four-year, $120 million extension. Uh, honestly, personally, I didn't think Chris Paul re-signing for four-year, $120 million was a very good move. I, would, I thought maybe a one- or two-year extension would have been better since he is 36 right now, and by the time the deal is going to be done, he's going to be over 40 years old. So what did you think about the Chris Paul re-signing? You know, I also felt like it was a bit of an overpay, but, you know, what What are you going to do? Like, you know, the Suns just made their first finals since 1993, I believe. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, in the similar unrestricted free agency, uh, Kyle Lowry got three years and $90 million from the Miami Heat. So I feel like four years, 120, while it is a bit of an overpay and they're going to regret the, the later half of those years, it's pretty necessary to keep uh, a core like this together. And... Shifting, we're going to talk about the third ball brother, D'Angelo Ball, who made his summer league debut around three days ago at the time of this recording. Uh, what, were your, or what were your thoughts on his summer league debut, where he played around 16 minutes, had 16 points, and two assists with two rebounds? I thought it was pretty good, especially considering, uh, you know, last year he was signed to a non-guaranteed contract, played a couple games, and then was released. So, you know, um, random people, random NBA players seem to pop up every year having great, like, summer league or, you know, non-competitive games. And uh, I'm not sure if this is the Leangela that we should expect, but, you know, it's a great step in the right direction considering, you know, uh, having like uh, LeVar Ball wants to have all three of his sons in the league and LeAngelo is obviously the one who uh, has taken the most difficult path to the league so uh, and I really like the point you brought up about how like uh, players or quote-unquote no-name players who uh, just like dominate in pro-am or like summer league or true league games because like Isaiah Thomas a few days ago dropped 81 points in a pro-am game and it's still very unlikely that he's going to get signed because of his other factors, such as him being very short for an NBA player and being a very, very uh, high defensive uh, non-reliability. So I think that Leandro Ball, uh, like depending on how well he plays in the summer league, I think at best he'll land him a two-way contract. But uh, honestly, I think I'm very happy for him because it's clear that he was overlooked since high school and always shadowed by his brothers. Oh, very true. Uh, speaking of, you know, you know, like basically players who do well in meaningless games and, you know, end up being not what they think. Uh, you know, as a Lakers fan, what do you think about the 
contract extension given to Taylor Horton Tucker? Uh, honestly, I think it was a good move because uh, when like initial signings of guys like Wayne Ellington, Russ, who just turned 30, like Carmelo Anthony, they were they, like a lot of fans were joking that, oh, this team's going to be injured by the half, by the next, by like half of the season. They're way too old. And I feel like signing of young guys, especially guys like Taylor Horton Tucker, who showed that when given the minutes, he can create his own shots very well, even though. I wouldn't say he's exactly very consistent. I feel like it was still a good move to sign a young guy like Taylor Horton Tucker who continues to develop. So I feel like him along with Kendrick Nunn and Malik Monk, I feel like those young guys are going to be a great core for the future of the Lakers. But uh, do you think it was worth it to sign him for around $10.8 million a year as compared to Alex Caruso at $9 million a year? Uh, Honestly, I wouldn't say... That one million difference uh, makes a very big, I guess, big splash because I think it's shown in like league around the world that you know guys that are maybe like st- maybe just like regular starters or like more of role players at best. You know, guys like Tim Hardaway Jr. are getting seventy-two million dollar deals, and Devontae Graham's or Devontae Graham is a very good player, but you know he's not anywhere near an all-star level, so. Guys like him getting 47 million or Will Barton getting 32 million. So I feel like getting him for just $10 million each year is, in my opinion, a very good deal. And I feel like as long as he continues to develop, the Lakers will think that they got a steal with with extending Taylor Horton Tucker. And after uh and I think following all this moves in free agency, a lot of people I've started to criticize LeBron again, specifically as he's shown in many times in his career that he does like to get a lot of big name players uh, on his team in order to make a championship push. And Charles Barkley, uh, obviously, I'm, you know, I'm very, I'm like summarizing this, and these aren't his exact words, but he said that he would put Kobe and MJ over LeBron because what he essentially said was that Kobe and MJ were able to get all his success with. Very little to no help, while LeBron has to build super teams every time. Uh, what did you think of this comment? Um, you know, it, it's it is a valid opinion to have like you know Michael Jordan over LeBron. It's honestly a toss up at this point. Like, if you agree what you think right now, you're no one's gonna really change your opinion. But um, having Kobe over LeBron is definitely a controversial choice by Barkley here. And uh, you know, as I feel like the p- point of saying that you know. LeBron needed all this talent to win a ring is especially kind of hypocritical, especially considering a that Barkley didn't win a ring himself. And that, you know, uh, Kobe's also had, you know, lots of talent surrounding him and he's failed to win a ring. Who can forget a, those 2004 Lakers that had, you know, Carl Malone, Gary Payton and Shaq on them that failed to win a ring. And most of it, most of that was because, you know, Kobe's struggling in the NBA finals, like uh, being guarded by uh, Tayshawn Prince. And also, who can forget the 2013 Lakers who had uh, Pau Gasol and uh, an aging Steve Nash and basically the best center in the league at that time, Dwight Howard, and that team got swept in the first round. So I think it's pretty hypocritical for Barkley to say that, you know, LeBron needs all this talent to win when, you know, Kobe's had the same talent, but I feel like LeBron's done a lot more with his supporting pieces than Kobe did. So, Mm -hmm. And I definitely think that uh, there was, I think I post on 
the Instagram account LBJ History that showed that when uh what's it called when uh when certain players were playing with MJ in a certain year they had more all NBA or all defensive teammates over their career. So I definitely don't disagree that LeBron has had a lot of help in his career, especially with guys like Kyrie, Kevin Love, and like Chris Bosh, D Wade being on his team. But I do feel that it's very unfair to say that to put Kobe over LeBron, since in my opinion, I think Kobe is more of a top 10 player and outside of the top five range. But also, I think it's great that going back on how Taylor Horn Tucker got that. 10 million, $10 million a year extension that uh, like these players are getting a lot of money because um, no, it's NBA is not very guaranteed. You know, you can get injured very easily. And I'm very happy for someone like Dennis Schroeder because, you know, he, he wanted that $100 million deal. And instead it's clear that he's going to get replaced and he had to set up for a $5.9 million deal, which is, which, which it's, it's a little off, but it's very close to the hundred million he wanted. So I'm very happy since I feel like a guy that scored zero points in a pivotal game five of a series should not get anywhere near 100 million. Oh, definitely. But, like, you know, Schroeder, uh, his agent probably told him, you know, like Lakers are hard salary capped and like, you know, they need to resign like a point guard. So, you know, before this rust stuff came out, he probably thought, you know, that was what he could probably get. But, you know, he bet on himself wrong, just like uh, Laurie Market in the, this year's free agency class. Mm-hmm. And, you know, speaking about salary, I feel like we never really talk about soccer slash football, but I think it's a very big topic that Lionel Messi, you know, after around 21 years is leaving at, uh, Barcelona, not because he really wanted to, but more because there was essentially like a salary cap problem where Barcelona cannot even afford him. And I mean, how do you, uh, how do you think this really plans out? And what do you really think about this since, La Liga essentially just let their best player and most marketable player walk just because, you know, a team couldn't really afford it. You know, this is obviously a terrible situation. Like, you're letting off, like, arguably one of the greatest uh, soccer players of all time just leave your team because you managed your team wrong. This feels a lot like, you know, Tom Brady leaving the Patriots back in, like, I think 2018, 2019. Mm-hmm. And, like, it's because the ownership and the management group made very dumb decisions and they didn't think about their future and their franchise so you know while it sucks to see you know someone who's accomplished such success on one team you know leave you know I I think the ownership group and they basically had their hands tied so it's they honestly have themselves to blame only basically I was also pretty surprised that Messi I was expecting Messi if he wanted to leave Barcelona would move last year because this year, it's it's now a World Cup year, and I'm sure that with this likely being his last World Cup, I'm sure that he wants to focus, you know, doesn't want to have any other distractions. But uh, I think it's also pretty sad that Paris Saint-Germain, they now have Neymar, Mbappe, and Messi, plus, you know, a lot of great, like, midfields and defenders like uh, Sergio Ramos. So I think it's pretty clear who might win the Champions League this year, but I think it's going to be a very fun team to watch, especially for a lot of football fans. And with that, we switched to the MLB, which has, uh, which has went through a huge trade deadline. And there's been a lot of moves, but Stephen, we talked about this, this before. 
what do you think was the biggest move in the MLB so far? Uh, definitely it has to be the Dodgers trading for uh, Max Scherzer and Trey Turner at the deadline. Uh, you know, it's not often that you see a player of Scherzer's caliber, yet alone like a player as good as Turner as well, moved in the same deal to the same team. You know, the team that, you know, is a reigning World Series champion. So, um, honestly, this is a huge move. And, uh, you know, it definitely signals an all-in approach considering, you know, some of the veterans on that Dodgers team, like, you know, Kershaw and Jansen are getting older. So, Dodgers are clearly going all in and trying to get the division, which is currently being held by the Giants, who also made a big move. Mm-hmm. And what and what do you think about the Giants since they do have one of the best records in the league and they got one of the best third basements in the league right now with Chris Bryant? How do you think they will compete against the Dodgers uh, in their fight to who gets to qualify in the World Series? Uh, honestly, right now I'm so confused as to why the Giants are so good right now like their average age is like 33 33 years old and the pitching staff is, doesn't really have any recognizable name brand players but you know they continue to get it done so um they'll definitely be worth watching in the postseason although i'm not sure they can make it to the world series with like without any top tier names mm-hmm. okay and with that that will end our eighth episode Thank you once again for tuning in and we will see you next time on whenever the next episode airs.